From the Metropolitan Campus of Fairleigh Dickinson University, this is WFDU-FM and HD1 Teaneck, the New York metro area's home of retro radio oldies and eclectic weekends, streaming worldwide at WFDU.FM. Farina, a live recording of Best of Friends, a song that she wrote. And that cut appears on an album called Mimi Farina with Lowell Levenger, better known to everyone as Banana from the Youngbloods. Uh, that was recorded live in Germany back in the late 1980s. And it was released a few years ago by Lowell and Michael Clef as a, a CD to, that is benefiting Bread and Roses, an organization that Mimi Farina founded. Now, today, today is July the 18th, and it was exactly 20 years ago today that Mimi Farina passed away. She died of cancer 
but the organization that she started, Bread and Roses, continues. Her memory, of course, lingers on, and the wonderful music that we continue to, to play from her is uh, something that will always be part of us. Back in the 1980s, uh, a gentleman, Michael Clef, who was one of the producers of this CD, sponsored a tour for Mimi and Banana in Germany. He first met her a few years earlier in, um, I, I think, originally at the Newport Folk Festival. And he's with us today. Uh, Michael Clef, how are you? Hi, Ron. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks. Thanks for coming on today. Uh, you know, Mimi Farina certainly meant uh, a great deal to our folk music community. And, and the work that she did is an inspiration. Before we, we talk about her, though, I, I should mention, I mean, you are an award-winning radio producer, a journalist, an author. Um, you've, you've done a, quite a bit of work in the, in the folk music field. Uh, you started your journalistic career back in radio for working for the Associated Press, and I believe in Germany. And your work uh, has included a lot of world music programs, Al Globe on uh, Radio Brandenburg, and a lot of your programs focused on American political songs and artists like Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie, Phil Oaks, and so much more. Uh, I understand you also did some work with um, the Bear Family Records. Uh, in fact, you produced a, 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 an award-winning box set from the, uh, I guess it was the Berg Waldwick Festivals. Uh, from that's, correct. that's kind of the kind of the German version of Newport. Uh huh. <laughs> Mid sixties. Yeah. Right, and, and you're also uh, your 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 wife is Nora Guthrie, uh, the daughter of Woody Guthrie. So you've you've got quite quite a connection with folk music. <laughs> that's, that's true. Little little did I know when I did my first radio show on Woody Guthrie in nineteen eighty seven. That was about nine years before I met Nora. Oh, wow. <laughs> How did you become involved with folk music, especially American folk music? Coming from Germany, uh, was it something that was popular back then? Well, I don't think it had to do with being popular. I have to tell you that I started out in politics. My first activities were in politics. I was very involved and uh, actually worked for the government in Germany for many years. And music was kind of, I like to listen to music, uh, British rock and roll, the Kings, uh, stuff like that. So the Moody Blues and John Mayle and, and the Beach Boys from the US. That was <laughs> my, I was a big Beach Boys fan. And um, then at some point, uh, I, more, I heard Earth Opera the album Earth Opera with Peter Rohn. Right. And I totally fell in love with this voice. I had no idea who Peter Rohn is. I had no idea who David Grisman is or John Nagy or Bill Keyes, all the guys who are on, on the two Earth Opera albums. And at the time, there was no internet that I could just type the names in and find out who are they, where can I find something. So I started to look around, talk to uh, in ask in record stores and then found out somebody said oh i have another album with peter rohn on it and it was bill monroe and the bluegrass boys wow that sounded <laughs> different than the art rock of earth opera but it opened up uh, how can i describe it it's like a tree yes earth opera was one branch on this tree and suddenly there was this other branch bluegrass another American tradition. And in a way, I have to thank Peter Rohn uh, 
for introducing me to the American roots music. Through mm -hmm. him, I started to explore. And then because of my political background, it always was about the lyrics. It was all about, uh, in my shows later, I never said, oh, wow, this is a great record going by. I couldn't care less. I talked about who is this guy? Why is he writing this song? How much is he involved in whatever he's doing? So the background stories were my, were my topics. That's how I got into that. And I kept working on both fields, politics. I covered politics for German public radio and music. So it was a nice combination. Mm -hmm. And that brought me to Newport in 85. Yeah. And that's where you first met, uh, met Mimi and did a wonderful interview with her. Yeah, I mean, uh, interesting, too, is that the year before 85, in 84, I went to a bluegrass festival in Germany. And if I remember correctly, uh, Dan Crary was there, Dave Van Ronk was there. And I interviewed Dave Van Ronk for a little folk music magazine I wrote for at the time. And he kind of mentioned, by the way, next year is Newport again. And my ears went, oh, wow, I have to go there. And um, so I asked my radio station if they would help me to go there. <laughs> and I got an assignment. And uh, it was amazing because it was 15 years after the, it was a 15 years hiatus that the festival had. So everybody was there, Judy Collins, uh, Tom Paxton, uh, Peter Roan, Bonnie Raitt, John Baez and Mimi Farina. Uh -huh. I knew about her, I had her records, and I read the um, Eric von Schmidt book he put out with Jim Rooney, Baby Let Me Follow You Down, about the Cambridge Club 47 uh, story. So I had an idea, I had a framework of who mm -hmm. is there, who are these people, and I got the chance to, uh, to talk. Uh, to Mimi and I stayed for a few more weeks in the States at, in 85 and I traveled to the West Coast to go to the Strawberry Bluegrass Spring Festival. Mm -hmm. well, it was not the Spring Festival, it was Fall, Strawberry Bluegrass Festival. And uh, I stopped in Mill Valley and uh, said hi. <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of the groundwork of our relationship, of uh, something that turned into a nice friendship. Right. Now it was, I guess, no, she had already, had she started Bread and Roses by that time? I, I believe it was going on. At, yeah, at that, yeah, yeah, she did. She, I mean, if you look back, I mean, she worked with her then husband, Richard, uh, Richard Farina for a few years. They put out two albums and I think um, that was important work they did because everybody was talking about the birds, uh, introducing folk rock. But I think uh, we have to go back a little more because I think the way the harmonies, uh, Richard Fernandez Dalsima playing and Mimi's guitar playing was kind of a groundwork for folk rock. And if you read uh, people who reviewed their shows from Pete Seeger to Paul Williams of Crawdaddy, uh, they all heard that. They said, wow, this is different. This is a different sound. It's not a rock and roll band, but it goes beyond the traditional sound. And that's why it's a nice story. Gene Ritchie, the dulcimer player, I would say in traditional dulcimer 
player in the United States, she's quoted somewhere that she was horrified to listen to Richard Farina, who who took the dulcimer out of the traditional style into more like using it as a, as a percussion instrument and playing rhythms, which was not what they did in the Palatian Hills, you know. <laughs> Richard Farina passed away on April 30th in 1966 on Mimi's 21st birthday uh, in a motor bicycle accident. And uh, she continued to do music, among others, with, with a guy called Tom Jans. They did one album, Take Heart. But then she got pretty frustrated of the music business, the commercial aspect. And she basic she still played music but hardly anymore on big stages 
And uh, I think the last big stage she went to was 71 when she went with Tom Jens to England to the Cambridge Folk Festival. Mm -hmm. And instead of that, she, after Richard's death, she joined a troupe in San Francisco, a satirical theater group called The Committee. She helped out with the Institute for the Study of Nonviolence that uh, John Baez had founded uh, in the mid-60s as part of her work with her then-husband David Harris against the Vietnam War. And uh, then in the early 70s, Mimi was invited by Joan to join her at a show at the Sing Sing prison in New York with B.B. King. And that kind of planted, uh, as far as I know, what she told me, the idea that you can do something with music that is more than commercial business. Mm -hmm. And then she, she started Bread and Roses in 1974. And, and she took the name from that poem by James Oppenheim, who wrote it uh, looking at posters that women... Uh, were carrying in 1912 at a strike at a mill, a weaving mill in, in, uh, on the East Coast. And they said, uh, give us bread, but give us roses too. She took that name because she thought that expresses what she was hoping for. And uh, maybe if you want, maybe you can uh, play a little piece of an interview I did with um, uh, Mimi where she talks about the images she had in her mind. The first images that I had in mind were to see celebrities entertaining people in hospital beds. I think that was one of the very first images I had in my mind because I was still making albums in Hollywood and was very disillusioned by the industry and did not appreciate what it was doing with human lives. People who were making music were making music in order to make money and no longer to make music. So I wanted to make better use of the motives of musicians, their original intent and original motives. So Bread and Roses was formed not so much with the institutional people in mind as much as the performers in mind. I think that there are many, many performers of goodwill who get swept into the music industry. So then the idea of singing to people in institutions became more and more appealing to me, and it went from hospitals, then to prisons and other kinds of institutions, and I decided to find out just what kinds there were in my county. And I was surprised to see how many and how many people were tucked away from society in different kinds of institutions for drug rehabilitation or mental retardation, crimes, or just hospitalized from an accident. There seemed to be such a huge variety and so many institutions. I went to a local group called the Volunteer Bureau of Marin and they gave me a list. They got very excited about the idea and gave me a list of different types of institutions to visit and said, you know, this one could be, this is a very nice one and this other one is not so nice. They gave me a little bit of preview of what to expect because it was clear I had no history with institutions. So in one week I researched and uh, visited maybe five different types of institutions and discovered there were more uh, homes for senior citizens than anything else. And after that, I'm not sure what order the statistics are, but 
I was surprised to see how many seniors were sitting in wheelchairs and pretty much forgotten families who don't want to visit them anymore and and of all the institutions that we've performed in over the years they are the most depressing so the original and tent or the original vision that really was instigated by Hollywood and the lack of humanitarianism in Hollywood, which now they claim to have changed overnight, but we'll see how long that lasts. That was where I was motivated, why I was motivated. And then I became more and more interested in the types of people who were institutionalized and why they were there. And, and then I wanted to find out if music and entertainment made any difference. And I think then and I think now still that it does. And that was Mimi Farina talking with our guest today, Michael Clef. Uh, Michael, what, what, what year was that recorded? I guess that this was part of an interview I did with her in 86 in Mill Valley. And that was when she also mentioned that she would like to do a little more music again. And she was working on a solo album titled Solo, <laughs> and we kind of talked about uh, her dreams, uh, maybe touring in Europe again. I think England, 1971, was the last time she was playing in Europe. And uh, so we more jokingly said, well, let's see, maybe I can put something together in Germany. And that happened two years later. Uh, now, were you producing other shows at that point in Germany? or is this No, no, that really? was kind of a... One, what do you call it, a one-off. <laughs> uh -huh. huh. Wow. Well, how many shows did she end up doing in, in Germany? Uh, let me count again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh -huh. And we also did a prison show in Germany. Oh. We went to a prison for young adults, kind of recreating what Bread and Roses does. You, you were talking before about how you discovered folk music. And as you also mentioned, you know, Mimi had since the, the death of Richard, she really was keeping a lower profile. Bringing her to Germany, was there an audience in place for her music or did they know who she was? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I was surprised and she was even more surprised that, uh, I mean, we didn't play stadiums, <laughs> but right. uh, we played nice, uh, nice venues. And uh, there were a few venues when she came on stage. There was Brett on stage and Roses. Uh, so there were many people who knew about her. And uh, she, she got a really good audience. They really uh, appreciated uh, her work. And again, the combination of music and her involvement with Brett and Roses. We're going to talk about Bread and Roses a little bit, but right now I'd like to play another cut from uh, the, the wonderful album that, that uh, you and uh, Banana released. Here she is singing a song from Richard Ferenia, the song Children of Darkness. This song was uh, written by Richard Ferenia, and it's still relevant 20 years later, Children of Darkness. time for your loving dear and the time for your company now when the light of reason fails and fires burn on the sea now in this age of 
confusion I have need for your company For I am a wild and a lonely child And the son of an angry land And now with the high wars raging A foul command. It's once I was free to go roaming in the wind of a springtime mine, and once the clouds I sailed upon were sweet as lilac wine. of summer, dear, being laced with a grim design. along with Lowell Levenger from an album that they recorded live in Germany. It actually wasn't originally planned as a live album, but uh, our guest, Michael Pleff, I believe you found the tapes. This was a radio broadcast? Yes, it was. A, we had a series at the time on WDR with German Broadcasting Corporation. They had a great series once or twice a month called Matinee der Liedersänger, which basically translates as Matinee of the Songwriters. Mm-hmm. And it was a live show with an audience, which was live broadcasted. And sometimes I repeated it later. And so, of course, I had the tape. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at some point a few years ago, when I started, I'm more or less retired now, and I started to organize my own archive. I basically kept all my interviews, all my radio shows for the last 35, 40 years. And I thought, okay, I have a pile of cassettes. Remember cassettes? Sure. And <laughs> tapes and CDs. And I did digitize them. So now they're all in this little black box. <laughs> and of course, I came across that show and I said, hmm, 
we should do something with that. And so I got in touch with Banana and said, listen, what do you think? You, maybe this is a good idea uh, to use this as a fundraiser product for Bread and Roses. So we talked to Bread and Roses and they loved the idea. And so we put it together. Banana worked on the tapes to remaster them. And uh, I provided the photos and the information for the booklet. And then we had an album. <laughs> and it's a wonderful album, too. Uh, as you mentioned, it, it benefits Bread and Roses. And our listeners can also check out Bread and Roses at breadandroses.org for more information. We we're talking and today ben, with... Ben, ben, uh, May I, uh, sorry for interrupting you, but we should uh, mention that this is also the only place where you can get the album. Ah, I didn't know that. Well, well, Bread and Roses is just a, a, a legacy that Mimi Faringa has left us. For those of uh, listeners who aren't aware of it, I mean, it's basically a San Francisco Bay Area organization. It's a, a nonprofit arts group that provides human services. Uh, their mission is to bring hope, healing, and, and joy through live music and performing arts to children, adults, seniors, folks who are you know, disadvantaged, marginalized, uh, people in institutions. And in 2019, before the pandemic, I understand they did over 650 shows in more than 125 facilities. And that represents performing to over 32,000 audience members who otherwise would not have been able to see and hear live music. So it's, it's a marvelous organization, and it really speaks to, to Mimi's commitment. I want to play just a little piece here from that interview that you did, where Mimi talks about going from an idea to achievement. The idea was a long time getting organized. It actually came from a cousin of mine who worked in an institution who was listening to me complain about the industry. And he said, come and sing for my institutionalized people and see what it feels like. You know, you don't always have to associate money with performing. So it was not a marvelous evening, but I was very, it was clear to me what the need was. It became very, very clear. And so it was really his idea that began to blossom. And I kept in interviews like this when people would say, and what are you singing next, Mimi? And when is your next album coming out? And do you think you'll have a hit on the radio? For about a year, I remember saying, no, I don't. I'm not sure where my music is going, but I do have something else in mind. And I would talk a little bit about it, but if I hadn't continued talking about it, I think I never would have done it. <laughs> so I finally talked myself into it, but it took some time to uh, get it underway. And then after those initial visits, I began calling friends. And there were two girlfriends, in fact, who were free, had time on their hands. One had been an activist in the 60s and was an actress, and another who was then a young housewife. And they both had time and they both were interested and decided to help me. And that was Mimi Farina, recorded in an interview back in the 1980s by Michael Clef, who is with us today, today being the 20th anniversary of the passing of Mimi Farina. As we talked about a little bit earlier, Michael helped produce a, uh, a wonderful tour in Germany. And uh, Michael, as I look at the album, I, I, I understand you, you took all these photos of, Mike, of, uh, of Mimi and Banana at different parts of Germany. It looks like they were having a good time touring in a country that previously probably wasn't that familiar with their music. 
Yeah, that's that's true. They had a good time because also I would like to mention that talking to many songwriters from the US, they most of them I talk to really like to tour Germany because German audiences are kind of known for listening. Mm. So even if when you play in a bar or in a small club, when there's music playing, talking stops. So it, you get a very attentive audience. And of course, a songwriter who writes songs to listen to and to think about, a songwriter likes that. <laughs> so <laughs> they... And, and a little uh, fun note uh, is that in the town of Bonn, where my German home is at the time, uh, we had a bar called Swinging Banana. So <laughs> I took Banana there and, and told him, I didn't know that you have your own pub here in Germany. So we had, that was really nice. But I, as, as you played a piece of the interview, Uh, having Mimi talking about uh, bread and roses and what they do, maybe uh, I should tell you about one event I was able to attend. Sure. In 1987, uh, Mimi, I was in the US again, obviously, Mimi invited me to join bread and roses for a prison show in the famous or whatever. Infamous. <laughs> in Soledad. And right. uh, That was, I mean, it had. That was an amazing experience uh, for me, uh, because I've never been in kind of a high security prison. I mean, guards sitting on the roofs with guns, watching the scene. And the day before the show, I was in Milwaukee uh, meeting with David Grisman. And I got a call there from Mimi, uh, telling me make sure that you don't wear jeans or anything blue or gray. I say, what? Yeah, the prison uh, press person had called her saying that's a no-no because the guards have to know where they shoot if something happens. Oh, gosh. But I, own, but I only had jeans. So I said, I remember I told uh, David Grisman, said, listen, David, I would love to continue talking this, and you uh, continue this interview, but I have to go to town. I have to buy some pants. And he looked at me, what? <laughs> so I told him the story. And then he said, oh, don't worry. I give you a pair of mine. And I ended up with, I mean, I must have looked like a clown. Uh, what do you call this plate? Plate uh, pants with... Uh, plaid. Plaid. That's plaid. Okay. <laughs> So you can imagine how, how I looked, but uh, it helped me to get in. And then they were not going to allow me to bring in my camera and my, my tape recorder. I said, this is why I'm here. I'm a radio journalist. So, so we had a long talk for an hour before I was allowed to go in. Wow. And then the show was a perfect example how, uh, how these... Uh, projects work uh, in a prison. Mimi had told me when they do a prison show, they have to bring in usually a black band, a brown band, and a white band because of the prison population. Mm -hmm. If you only have one, that is a good reason for some trouble. Okay. So in this show, we had uh, more or less a white band, the Blue Meanies, with uh, one of the musicians used to play with... Uh, Santana, with Santana, I believe. Yeah. 
and then kind of a multicultural sextet cosono with female dancers. And that was really amazing to, to watch uh, how they could reach out to the inmates based on the colors of the musicians. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I recorded a little bit. Uh, if you feel like it, maybe you play a little bit uh, of the Blue Meanies. Yes, we're going to start off, and you'll, you'll hear Mimi uh, Farina talking, uh, introducing what's about to happen. And we're also going to play a few cuts from some of the inmates that you uh, interviewed there, as well as uh, a woman by the name of uh, Mary Hunter Shorter, who was the press officer. At he, was, he was actually standing next to me the whole time to make sure that I don't say anything that I don't know. If, <laughs> <laughs> Something that I shouldn't say. I don't know. <laughs> well, they were being cautious. Well, here's an example of, um, of the work that Mimi Farina and uh, other artists have been doing for Bread and Roses, as recorded by our guest today, Michael Cleff. My name is Mimi, and I'm here with Bread and Roses. And a couple of things I want you to know. One is that we're happy to be here in your temporary home. I know you're not, and we hope we can bring you a little joy today. I'd like you to know that all the performers on the stage today are, are performing voluntarily. They're giving their time for free, so I hope you enjoy that fact too. And then we're going to get on with the introduction and the show. Thank you. To begin the show, the Blue Meanies. Mark Ford, vocals, harmonica, guitar. Garth Weber, vocals, guitar. Ron Gurowitz, vocals and bass. Brian Withcomb keyboards and synthesizer, Brent Mampone on the drums, and a special guest, Michael Carabello, formerly of Santana, on uh, congas and percussion. Please welcome the Blue Meanies. That's right. God damn, we're here to have a good time. The Blue Meanies, we're going to play our own brand of the blues for you. I believe it's something special because it's something different, new, you know, and help break up the monopoly of this boredom, you know, every day, some weekend on the yard, the same old thing, though. Give the guys a chance to hear some music, you know, enjoy themselves, though. I believe they should have it, you know, at least once a month, I guess, though, you know, because everyone seems, you know, you can look at them and see they seem to enjoy it, though, you know. 
Cause it's something different and new though, you know. And stay tired of the same thing over and over and over though, you know, and help do help release a little tension and everything, though, and they be able to enjoy themselves. Well, I think it's real good, you know, because um, give them something to look forward to and um, you know, and they're um, they're standing out in front here listening to it and they're not, you know, doing anything else which could, you know, create any problems or anything as you know as far as that. Like I said, you know, before it keeps them out of trouble and stuff, you know, they're not over um, you know, playing cards or something, gambling, it's something that could create an incident, something, you know, real bad, you know, and put us on lockdown again and all that stuff. I um I wanted to reach them. Yeah. And just make somebody smile out there and just to help them be happy. I think it was beforehand while we were rehearsing that we were really kind of afraid of being on display in front of a bunch of men who have just been away from women for so long. And we didn't want to uh, be really lewd and get them too excited or give them nightmares or something like that. We, we spent about six hours talking about what costumes we were going to wear and we talked amongst ourselves about an attitude and an approach and sort of decided to be more like like the mama instead of the seductress and we also became really good friends in the process to support each other and and uh, just keep in mind that we're here to bring them a little bit of happiness. Well, of course, the security issues are a concern to all of us here, and but we're used to it because we do this often. And I, as I said earlier, at least twice a year or so, we always take the security needs of the inmates and also the people that are performing into consideration before um, allowing an event like this to take place. That was the Blue Meanies, recorded at Soledad Prison as part of a Bread and Roses uh, performance that was uh, given by Mimi Farina and uh, other wonderful musicians who uh, were working for Bread and Roses, the nonprofit organization that presents music in the Bay Area to people who are institutionalized and in various settings. Michael was a guest. Uh, that 1988, was that from? 1987. 87. Oh. Um, what an experience. And, you know, that for you, it was a, a one day event and uh, an eye opener of, of sorts, as you were describing what you had to wear and what you could and couldn't say. Uh, I can imagine how difficult it is for, for artists, uh, people like Mimi Farina, who do that day in and day out and, and, and made that part of their work. And, and it's also it has a money aspect too. Uh, I asked her about that show. I mean, just the musicians played for free, just mm -hmm. the logistics, they, they had to come up with over $4,000 just to be there right. and get everybody there. And uh, 
feed everybody and uh, and then to organize a show like that takes months she told me from the prison officials to get the musicians and that's a lot of work it sure is and they're still doing it as we mentioned before in 2019 over 650 shows and hopefully as this pandemic uh, eventually comes to an end they will continue to do work if there's someone out there who really wants to import bread and roses uh, and uh, if there's someone who also likes art i learned i didn't know that that john bias is also a painter she did a painting of uh, mimi and uh, this uh, this uh, as a print but a limited edition print is available through bread and roses and it will help uh, bread and roses to keep on going it's a, it's a gorgeous painting as well. It's uh, based on a photograph of when Mimi was performing with the committee. And it just really captures her spirit. And again, it's a worthwhile cause. Uh, again, breadandroses.org is the website. Uh, I'd like to play another uh, cut from this, this wonderful CD that we've been sharing this afternoon. This one features uh, Lowell Levenger, Banana, singing with uh, Mimi in beautiful harmonies. And it's a song from David Olney, David Olney, who unfortunately passed away last year as well. So we're going to take a listen to this now. It's a song called If My Eyes Were Blind. This next song is called If My Eyes Were Blind. My goodness, you must have my album, which is for sale in the lobby. <laughs> Never with a word would I deny 
shall arise to comfort and to care for you only to sympathize when my body dies and should my eyes grow blind the darkest night could never hold a mystery should my eyes grow blind I'd hold your features fast Within my memory, within my mind, should my eyes grow blind? Should my eyes grow blind? Should my eyes grow If My Eyes Were Blind, and David Only song performed by Mimi Farina, along with uh, Lowell Levenger, Banana from the Youngbloods, from the Live in Germany album to benefit Bread and Roses. It's available only from the breadandroses.org website. And Michael Cleff, who uh, has held on to this tape for years uh, and made this recording possible, uh, is with us today. As we uh, talk about Mimi Farina and remember her life, she passed away on this date back in uh, 2001. Michael, you, you, you got to know Mimi uh, from not only from the interviews, but from the tour in Germany. What, what are your impressions thinking back all these years later? Well, uh, there are two aspects. I think because of her work, she was a tough person. It's not all all nicey nice. She had to be tough to do what she had to do to keep uh, Bread and Roses running and uh, and being in the music business for some years and make all those experiences, you have to be tough too. That was one aspect of her. But the other aspect was is the warmth that she, when you were around her, she had this warm aura that's the right word. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you talk to her, you you felt that uh, her thoughts about these people she brought entertainment to, this was dear to her heart. This was important to her to do this. She had she felt for these people. She she felt uh, the burdens uh, people in a prison or in in a hospital or in a homeless shelter. What these people had to go through. So it was very believable what she was doing, and you could feel that. And so it was really nice uh, to be around her. And I remember after the tour in 88, she invited me uh, to Mill Valley, and we drove around for a week. Among others, uh, she showed me where uh, Richard died at his... Uh, um, at the motor bicycle accident, we went uh, to see her uh, sister Pauline. Mm -hmm. Lived at the time in a tree house. That was an interesting experience for me too. <laughs> we stayed with her mother and had dinner with her and Joan. So she opened the door for me into her into the life that is not on a record or in a production. So that was very personal and I, and very important for me to to be able to experience that side of Mimi. 
We are talking today with Michael Clef, uh, who was one of the producers of this album. He held on to the tape since it was recorded back in the 1980s. Um, Michael and Lowell Leminger put this album together to benefit Bread and Roses. And uh, today we're talking about Mima Farina on the 20th anniversary of her passing. Michael, you, you've been kind enough to share some of your thoughts about Mimi and and Bread and Roses. The experience that you had with her doing the interviews and organizing the tour, did that influence you in any other work that you've done following that? Did it change any direction that you were or created other projects? Well, I wouldn't say it changed the direction. I would say it uh, might have enforced the direction I was going. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would put it this way: that just it showed me that you can do, you can be in the music business and still do something good. Absolutely, and that's I think was uh, always important to me in my work. And then to f- have somebody to talk to somebody who embodies this approach. That's very nice. Mm-hmm. And we actually did a second tour two years later. I mean, we don't have a recording of that, but we went, uh, I could invite Mimi and Banana again in 1990 uh, for another round. And then we even got to uh, to do two shows in Austria, in, mm-hmm. in, in Vienna. And uh, on one night, um, we Mimi could share the stage with Mercedes Sosa, so that was a big night too. Mm-hmm. Well, it, 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 some wonderful memories, and thank you so much for recording and saving this recording to, to, so that we can share it now. Um, Michael Clef, I want to thank you for being with us today. I, I want to play uh, another cut to, to end our little visit today, as well as uh, Mimi talking about how Bread and Roses played such an important part of her life. And uh, just well, before we leave, uh, any other projects that you're currently working on? Anything that uh, we can look forward to in the future? I mean, you, you mentioned that archives. Any more gems that you're going to well, share? I'm happy to send you a list. If something catches your eye, you want to talk about, I'm happy to do that. Because, that you know, radio is an interesting, interesting thing. Because you do something, it's broadcasted, and then you wonder, where is it? up there in the, in the huh. sky, in the universe. So uh, I think it's great to have shows like you do. So to remind us all the time that there, there's important stuff going on and uh, to give this to an audience that's interested. So looking back at my work, if it was working with Harry Belafonte or above all Pete Seeger, Woody, of about Phil Oaks. I, I never met him, of course, but uh, there's a lot of stuff in the archive. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you if you want to do something every once in a while. Well, we'll talk. We'll definitely talk. <laughs> Michael Clef, thank you so much for joining us today. And again, thank you for the music and helping us remember Mimi Farina. Thank you. Songs which have words that have meaning. And I guess I would like to call those quality songs, music with quality, whether it's social consciousness or general quality about life, which, which jo- rock and roll doesn't offer. It offers something else, which is also wonderful. I love to dance to rock and roll. And it's um, a music that you can respond to with your body. But at the same time, what I appreciate so much about art 
and in this context music, is that there's a message that can be portrayed that can't be portrayed any other way. And for me an example is um, with my organization, Bread and Roses, to take, um, say for example, um, uh, blues music into San Quentin prison and have a jam session with the band room where maybe 40 men can attend and to watch the interaction between the musicians from the outside and the musicians from the inside begin to talk their own language and the wonderful thing that seems to happen is that the guards also enjoy it and suddenly everybody's the same there's no wall and no more barrier and they're all talking the same language and on top of that they're enjoying one another's company so that's for me a very vivid example of how music can communicate here's an old american hymn I heard about a man one day who wasted not his time away. He prayed to God. He prayed to God every morning, noon and night. He cared not for the king's decree, but trusted God who set him free. Oh, Daniel prayed. Oh, Daniel prayed every morning, noon. He prayed to God. He prayed to God every morning, noon and night. He cared not for the things of Baal, but trusted God and never failed. Oh, Daniel prayed. Oh, Daniel prayed every morning, noon and night. They cast him in the lion's den because he would not honor men he prayed to god he prayed to god every morning noon and night their jaws were locked it made him shout and god soon brought him safely out oh daniel prayed oh, daniel prayed every morning noon and pray like Daniel did from day to day. He prayed to God, he prayed to God every morning, noon and night. He cared not for the king's decree, but trusted God who set him free. Oh, Daniel prayed, oh, Daniel prayed every morning, noon. He 